Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Ruby Rogues podcast. Um, I'm your host this week, Charles Maxwood, and I'm talking to Ben Curtis. Ben, it's been a while since we've talked. It's been a long time. Yeah. Good to see you. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you too. And I remember uh, talking about some of the um, open source stuff that you've done in the past. Um, I remember when you and Star started Honey Badger. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to just introduce people? Uh, to who you are and what you do and sure sure well you know people in the Ruby community might know me from Faker uh, that was a gem that I started oh let's see back in 2007 long long yeah. time ago or uh, might know me from Rails Kits as a business that I ran for a few years yeah. there uh, the SaaS Rails Kit allowed people to start a SaaS app with, uh, with the billing already enabled and Today there are other options that are similar, but that was, uh, I think, the first one. Um, and then, uh, yep. and then these days, of course, running Honey Badger. Been doing that for the past 11, 12 years or so, and uh, love love the Ruby community, love serving the Ruby community, and it's just been so much fun. It was really neat uh, looking at the pictures. I didn't make it to to Rails World, unfortunately, but I was looking at the pictures there, and I saw the little uh, picture of the board where you could you could sign up where you started using mm-hmm. Rails. And I was thinking about that. And I was thinking, well, what, what was that for me? I think it was 2005. It was pre 1.0. Right. Yeah. It was, oh, wow. Uh, good times. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because uh, I talk to people who do Rails and I don't talk to too many people who have been doing it longer than me anymore. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. But you're one of them. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I picked it up 1.1.3, something mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah. It's been a long road. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I thought we could just catch up a bit, talk about Honey Badger, some of the stuff you're doing over there. Um, you mentioned another project, Heya, we'll get into that. That's email campaigns. Um, but yeah, let's, let's just jump in and talk about Honey Badger for a minute. I think most people in the community are pretty familiar with Honey Badger or with things that do what Honey Badger does. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you want to just, for those who aren't familiar with it, just kind of explain what it is? Sure, sure. So we do the the main thrust of what we do is exception monitoring for your uh, Rails apps. Uh, we of course support JavaScript and all the other languages too. But uh, our our bread and butter uh, is Rails. We love Rails, and so that's our our best supported platform. And uh, you know, imagine you have you're running your web app in production, and you know some exception happens. Uh, how do you know that that happened? How do you know that a user encountered a problem? Well, you might look at your logs. Uh, but who's going to be watching logs all day, right? That's that's no fun. So what, what Honey Badger does is we plug into your app. We have a gem that you install. And if any exception happens, then uh, that triggers a, a request to our API. And we collect that info for you. And then we give you an alert in Slack or in uh, GitHub. We can create an issue for you automatically, things like that. And uh, we let you know what happened, where it happened, and uh, gives you the information you need to get in there and, and fix the problem really quick and right. get back to what you want to be doing. Yeah, Since absolutely. We, uh, let's see. And since we launched Honey Badger, doing that back in the day, we've added a few other things like uh, uptime monitoring and uh, check-ins, so you can you can keep an eye on your cron jobs, make sure they don't die quietly. Uh, so basically, all the things that uh, an app developer would want to know about their app is actually healthy and serving customers. Uh, we do that, and uh, we're actually right. coming out with a brand new feature pretty soon. We can we can talk about more if you want, which we haven't talked about publicly yet. So uh, coming coming up. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So uh, Insights, since Insights is our new feature, just launched into preview about an hour ago, actually. Uh, we haven't announced it anywhere. We're kind of doing a, we're kind of doing it quietly. We had had some alpha testers checking it out, but but uh, yeah, no, no publicity yet aside from this episode. So uh, Insights yeah. is a structured logging kind of thing. So you've probably uh, used a structured logging kind of solution before where you send your log somewhere like, I don't know, Paper Trail or mm-hmm. maybe New Relic or something like that. Uh, and you do some analysis. You can grow through your logs and do some queries and things like that. So we're doing that, and we're pretty excited about uh, integrating insights into the rest of Honey Badger. So what we're doing is we're exposing all your Honey Badger data, so all your errors, all your uptime checks, you know, all the things that are happening in this one queryable uh, UI, along with your application logs. You can send it to structured logs, and so uh, you can track all the page requests, and you know, uh, you can do some fun things with metrics out of your logs. So let's say you are, uh, you want to see what your average response time is. Well, we can, we can allow you to query that really quickly once you start sending your logs to us and then do some charting on that. And uh, it's pretty exciting. I think, I think a lot of customers will enjoy having that information right next to all the other Honey Badger information. Right. 
Very cool. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I could probably name a dozen of your competitors without really breaking a sweat, right? Mm-hmm. As far as like the error monitoring stuff. And most of them have opted for performance monitoring as a second feature as opposed to right. uh, the logging and stuff. And, you know, I, I mean, I've been doing Rails for, we, we talked about this for quite a long time. And it does, I think, log how long some of the requests and parts of your requests take. So you yep. could get some of that data out of something sure. like the structure logging, right? Yep. Yeah, for sure. And of course, over time, we'll be allowing you to instrument things and send more detailed mm-hmm. stats. And there's nothing stopping you from logging, you know, whatever you want to log. Right. Including, you know, user signup counts or, you know, whatever metric might make sense on the business side of your application, right? So it's not just about performance monitoring. It's not just about the logs even. It's about what are the events that are happening in your app that are interesting to you. And you can query them, you can track them, you can build metrics around them, build some dashboards. So we're pretty excited about that. Uh, we're looking forward to having our, our customers who have tried it so far, love it. And uh, so we got the good, good early response to it. So I think uh, people are going to enjoy that. Awesome. That That's very cool. Now, one thing that I'm kind of curious about, um, I remember when you, you guys launched Honey Badger, there were already a number of solutions out there. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I'm always curious to hear is what, what's the story behind it, right? <laughs> and what made you decide, hey, there are like eight of these out there right now. We need a ninth one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 that, um, that comic about the the formats, right? The protocols. We need another yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, so back back when we launched Honey Badger, this was what 2011, 2012, in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there was only one that we knew about, and that was Airbrake. Okay. And uh, Star and I were working together at a startup, and we were using Airbrake, and uh, it was fine. Uh, but one day we we had an error that happened in our application, and we sent the payload to Airbrake as, as per usual, mm-hmm. went into the Airbrake UI and there was no detailed information about that error. It's like, okay, that's kind of weird. Uh, we waited a little bit and still nothing. And so we contacted support to see what had gone wrong with getting this data in there. And uh, I think the message I sent was something along the lines of, hey, we reported an error to your API and we see that there's no data in there. Can you help us out get this data? And the response that I got back was, um, yeah, we received your error and there's no data in the API that we have. Sorry. And I'm like, oh man, there's like no information in this response. You just told me back what I told you. And I, that just, that just uh, frankly just made me mad. I'm like, you know what? I, I deserve better than this. <laughs> and so I turned to star and I'm like, you know what? This, this is terrible. We can do better than that. And so let's do better than that. And so that's, that's what, that's the origin story. That's why we got started building Honey Badger. We just got uh, annoyed one day that Airbrake wasn't working like we wanted it to. So <laughs> That's but, funny. Yeah. We, so we thought, you know, building a copycat product is one thing. Anybody, anybody can do that. Uh, but we felt like what had happened with, with Airbrake, unfortunately, was uh-huh. that um, ThoughtBot, who had originally built it, they had sold it. Yes. And so at this point, Airbrake wasn't being run by the original creators. It was being run by, I'll just leave the, leave the parties unnamed, but a, a, a company that just didn't care so much about it. There was mm-hmm. kind of in maintenance mode and the customer support was you know, not, not top of the line. And the, the product had kind of just stagnated. Uh, and so we thought, you know what? Not only can we build a better product, we can build a better service. We can provide developers better support than this, right? And uh, so that's what really motivated us to, to build Money Badger. Right, that's interesting. And yeah, I I have to admit, I don't know all the timelines for all the other competitors that are out there. And it seems like some of the ones I can think of started in JavaScript or .NET or something else, Yeah. right? And they may have expanded their way into Ruby where, yeah, um, Airbrake and uh, Rollbar was around Badger. at the time, and uh, Sentry was around at the time. But Sentry was in the in the Python community pretty much, right? And uh, Rollbar was in the Ruby community pretty strongly, but right. we just hadn't used them for whatever reason. Uh, yeah. So, right. and since then, of course, more have sprung up, but uh, right. and some have gone away. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's that's been, the way it goes. Yeah, it's yeah. been fun. Very cool. So I'm I'm kind of curious then as well. Um, so you're putting Honey Badger together. You're starting to, um, you know, solve some of these problems that you had. Mm-hmm. What I'm, I'm always curious, like the the growth as far as like the capabilities of the system, and then the growth as a business. Like, how did you manage all of that? Like, were you and Star just, you know, it seems like from the outside it all kind of went naturally. <laughs> and I'm sure there were, were hiccups along sure. the way. I mean, that's that's my experience talking to most people. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. There were some detours and some some 
side trips along the way. Uh, you know, he, like I said, he and I were working together. We were at, um, we were at a startup that uh, was not related to tech in any way. And uh, it got, so we just started this on the side. We felt like it was something fun. And we've been wanting to do a project for a while. We just couldn't come up with a good idea. And so this was, this was the idea. And so we were ready to go. Right. Um, and as we were working on it, like after a few months, we got it, nights and weekends, we got it launched. And right, right away, people started signing up. It was pretty cool. And then it started getting kind of busy. And it's, it's mm-hmm. an ops-heavy kind of service, right? We, right? we can't we can't go down, right? Because uh, if, if you're having a bad day, we can't have a bad day. Uh, and so it, it pretty soon became apparent that uh, we were not going to be able to like keep our day job and do Honey Badger, which was actually the original goal, like because we enjoyed what we were doing. Right. Uh, but, uh, but we weren't quite ready to dive into it full time because the revenue wasn't there. Like we had customers, but not that many. Right. And, uh, it was funny when, when we got started, like when we were shopping around for ideas, the one thing we th- we had two criteria, we didn't want to be in the critical path of someone's work. And, right. uh, we didn't want to, uh, we didn't want to have to leave our jobs before, you know, and, and basically go back to consulting, which we did before, uh, right. before the revenue was there for us to work full-time on it. And, uh, neither one of those criteria came true. We ended up being in the critical path, right. With an ops heavy business. And we had to leave our jobs before we were ready right. to. And, uh, we, so we had to go back to consulting and freelancing for a while. Um, but that was, you know, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, we just enjoyed the, the idea so much. We couldn't, yeah. we couldn't not do it. Right. So, uh, we, we did have, speaking of you know, back to the APM thing, we did have a big, uh, a big, detour at one point where we decided hey let's let's take a look at doing metrics and uh, after we had gotten the initial product out there we thought yeah that's a, that's a logical next step and uh we tried it and our implementation was not very good and most of our customers didn't care about it but we had enabled it by right. default in the gym and so we were getting a ton of data our systems were not dealing with it well and nobody <laughs> cared and, right. and, and uh, so I was like, like, well, that that was a bad idea. And so we just had, we had to turn that off. Like we just had to reverse that. <laughs> and then we've been kind of allergic to the idea of metrics ever since then. So this insights thing is, you know, kind of uh, we were a little gun shy going into it, but we felt it was right. so interesting that we had to we had to give it another shot. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, like the, the growth has been steady. The customers have always been uh, glowing in their reviews. And so mm-hmm. there's never been a time where we're like, oh, this is it's just not working or we got to throw it away or, you know, we got to, uh, thankfully, like ever since right. we got started, it's been steady, consistent growth. It's been nice. Very, very cool. So has most of your growth then been pretty organic as far as just people talking about honey badger or have you run any major campaigns or anything else to try and get people to adopt it? Yeah. And they, in the early days, like or organic word of mouth was everything, uh, you know, right. we'd be on Twitter and hanging out with people. Um, we'd be at conferences and every time we meet with someone, they'd be like, Oh, you're, you're only three people. That's crazy. It feels like your company of 20 or something. Uh, so we always punch above our weight in that regard. It's been nice. Uh, what, and one of the things we did early on was we knew we were targeting developers. We wanted to sell directly to developers and not, you know, CTOs or, or whatever up there on the, on the top of the chart. And so we made it, really appealing also to freelancers because that's that's our right. background that's where all three of us came from uh and so we we designed the the user sign up so it'd be pretty easy for you to invite someone you know as a mm-hmm. as a as your client right if you're a freelancer or to right. bring on obviously bring on a new team member if you join a team and so what we found is that you know a developer would try us out and introduce us to a client then that client would get a new freelancer who would then be introduced to honey badger who would then introduce us to another <laughs> client right so yeah, it's yeah, pretty awesome. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So that worked out really well. Um, and then over time, uh, we started, you know, doing conferences. And uh, these days, we do a lot of content, which is great. We love that. Uh, and we do uh, podcast sponsorships, which we really enjoy. And it's fun uh, connecting with, with uh, podcasters. And um, we don't do conferences a whole lot these days because, well, COVID kind of aired that whole thing. <laughs> I guess it's right. coming back, coming back now. But that was definitely we got definitely had to adjust to that thing. Uh, but yeah, word of mouth is still, still really good for us. Still, we have people bring us a new, mm-hmm. you know, we get, we have a, during our signup process, we have a box you can type in like, how'd you hear about us? Or what, you know, why are you using us or whatever? And uh, pretty regularly we get people saying, oh, this is the third time I'm setting you up with, you know, another client or I'm right. now my fourth company and I'm bringing you with, you know, bringing you with me. So mm-hmm. yeah, works out really well. Yeah. It's interesting the way you're talking about the word of mouth and and uh, selling to developers, um, 
I mean, some of the other companies that come to me, they want to know how many CTOs and, you know, uh, managers we have listening to us. And it's kind of hard to know that, uh, you know, from a podcast. I mean, um, I've sent out surveys periodically and I can kind of guess from the, you know, few hundred people that fill it in. Right. It's like, okay, well, I got 2% of my audience to fill it out or something. Right. And so assuming the rest of them look more or less the same, but, Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you just, I don't know if you can know that, but yeah, I, I love the, the kind of the approach of having an open, Hey, I tried it. I liked it. I use it again. Somebody else tries it. They like it. They use it again. Um, so as, as time's gone on and you've grown and, um, I mean, what, 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 what have been the challenges as you've moved forward, both technical and business? I think on the on the business side, one of the challenges has been that we are not funded, right? We are we are bootstrapped, uh, and we do have funded competitors like Sentry who have taken yep. on a lot of money, right? right? And they probably do sell to those CTOs because that's what you can do when you have a sales team, which we don't have, right? Yeah. Um, so on the business well, side, I've I've been to some Microsoft conferences and other places where they have a huge presence because they have that you know they can go and drop the big money to yep. be a yep. big presence at the conference. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely a challenge. Like you can't, you just can't compete, you know, toe to toe when you had that kind of mm-hmm. difference. Uh, so we've had to find ways that are, you know, more guerrilla tactics and that sort of thing. Right. And so that's been one challenge. It's been slower than it could have been because we didn't have that, that war chest, but you know, that was a conscious decision that we made. And those are the trade-offs that we right. were willing to take on, on a technical side. Uh, I think one, one challenge was just dealing with the scale, like dealing with the traffic. And uh, initially we were like on a, in a, Coho, uh, a colo facility where we were leasing servers and right. we've eventually got to the point where we just outstripped their abilities to support us uh in a, in a timely fashion like if something went down you know it took mm-hmm. took too long basically to, to get a response right and so uh we've had a big migration over to aws uh several years ago and that mm-hmm. made a, a huge difference in the business um and i think that allowed us to do a lot of the automating uh of you know resilience recovery uh, right. scaling, like there's just a whole lot of automation that goes into it, which I think helped us quite a bit to be able to keep that team size down while keeping the service up. Um, so I think, yeah, those are kind of the big, two of the big things that have shaped the the nature of the business over the years. Right. It's interesting too, because you're talking about that. And I think that's a decision that a lot of companies make at a certain point, they get to a certain inflection point where it really starts to make sense. Um, yeah. and then they either invest in, yeah, moving to a cloud or these days moving to Kubernetes and right. having the self-healing, you know, all the magic that happens there. Um, of course, Kubernetes is kind of a beast to figure out and set up, but AWS is too, in some right. ways. So yeah, yeah, um, it's, it's, it's a whole lot of work. And, and, uh, yeah. it's the reason we didn't start out that way is cause it's like, well, we don't even know if this service is going to, it's going to last more right. than a month. Right. Uh, yeah. but yeah, once you. Once you get to a certain point, then it makes sense to dive into that complexity and take that productivity hit to spend all that time to figure that out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So one other thing that's interesting is, uh, and I talked to David at the uh, Rails World, and he, you know, he mentioned that they had moved everything back off of AWS. Yeah. For for Basecamp and Hey, um, is that something that's even on your radar, or is there some <laughs> trigger point where you start thinking about those kinds of things, and it's just Hey, that's not our problem right now, so we're not worried about it. Uh, you know, I'm an I'm an old Christesis admin, so uh, I love the idea of moving back to a stack of servers and having a rack. Uh-huh. And I mean, I, I love that stuff. It used to do that all the time, uh, but I think that in our case, uh, you know, we do have times where we see 10x, 20x, 50x traffic comes in within minutes, right? Uh-huh. And then five minutes, 10 minutes later, it drops back down to our baseline. And right. uh, we don't ever have to think about that because everything right. just auto scales, right? Uh, we don't mm-hmm. even have to care. Um, so that would make me nervous if we went back to, uh, you know, having to having to go back to the forecasting, having to go back to the planning. Okay, how much headroom do we need to have? You know, doing all those things. Um, I actually prefer to just pay Amazon. Then, then not all my automation, right. I don't have to worry about it, right? So, yeah, I, I get the appeal, and I, yeah, the old the old system enemy loves the idea, but uh, but I think for our situation, it makes sense to to stay where we can scale and not have to mm-hmm. even think about it. <laughs> yeah, well, um, and and what you're saying makes sense. The thing that comes to my mind is that both Basecamp and Hey are UI centric mm-hmm. apps, 
mm-hmm. and yours is an API centric app. And so where you're going to get traffic, depending on what's going on in anybody's app or a lot of people's apps, right? Your, yep. your situation. Yeah. It makes sense what you're saying, as opposed to with them, I think they can forecast it fairly easily and they can, they can forecast their growth and then just make sure that they're accounting for it moving forward. And if they overshoot it or undershoot it a little bit, they can just adjust it later. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And- that, that makes sense. And I think one of the critical things there, if if you're looking at that, um, you know, putting on the old segment hat, uh, and you're and you're doing that forecasting, I think, and and da- uh, David talked about this in one of his blog posts mm-hmm. about it, is that you have to have that really good relationship with that vendor, right? If you're yeah. if you're going with Dell, right, and and you you've, you've got to be able to get new servers quickly, and yep. you know, back in the day, it, was, it could take you days or weeks, and like, yes. like, you just can't do that, right? You've got to have you got to have the contract that says I can have new hardware in four hours or, or whatever, whatever it yeah. is, right? So um, a lot of problems that have been solved by the cloud that if you move out of it, you have to go back and, okay, you have to make mm-hmm. plans for those things. Yeah. Yeah. And what you're telling me, you know, that reminds me of the days, the, the good old days, I guess, when I was in college, I worked in the data center at, at the university I attended. And yeah, you know, when I initially I worked in the data center and then I worked on the the server management provisioning team. and. Uh, yeah, putting in a new server when I started on that team was a major thing, right? Yeah. You know, and we had our own little room in the back of the data center and you'd swap disks and then we got fancy and we upload, we, you know, we had it on a, a network boot. And so all we mm-hmm. had to do was tell it to boot off the other machine and then we could kind of monitor it remotely. And then eventually we were using uh, VMware, right? Yeah. And so then it was, hey, look, we've got hardware and we've got virtual machines running on the hardware. Right. And so provisioning a new machine at that point was literally just click, 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 click. Right. Mm-hmm. I need another one of these. And you were, you know, and then you just made sure it had all the current stuff on it. And so, yeah, uh, the the yeah. speed and the, yeah, the the need to be able to handle that stuff. It just, yeah, it, it changed everything. Yeah. So. It's so much nicer today having Kubernetes, having the, you know, being able to, you could have all those servers just waiting, right? And then you can provision yep. your VMs or your, your, your Docker images as you need. Uh, yep. Yeah. I would, I would love to be in a place where we could, we could do that and uh, <laughs> save that coin because Amazon is not cheap. It is, right. it is true. Uh, but I, but I also like being able to sleep and not have to worry about a hundred X spike coming in. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So you you were talking about how it was just the three of you for a while. Um, yeah. What does your company look like now? Uh, today, let's see. Uh, so Star left the company a year and a half or so ago. We we purchased uh-huh. Star's shares. Star was ready to do some other things. Mm-hmm. And so now Josh and I are the remaining co-founders. And then uh, we've also hired, let's see, we have three employees now. So uh, oh, gargantuan wow. company of five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We have uh, several contractors that work for us part-time. And, uh, and of course, I mentioned our, our blog, uh, as we, what we do for marketing, we have contractors writing those articles for us. Yep. Um, so we have quite the army of contractors, but uh, yeah, just five employees today. It's, uh, we, our goal has always been to maximize revenue per employee. And uh, yeah. we're, we're liking that. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. Um, what do you do then to maximize um, you know, profit per employee? Yeah, it's it's a lot about the automation. So, you know, we mm-hmm. don't have humans reacting to things, right? We have computers right. reacting to things. And then uh, on the customer support, like we don't have a customer support person, like all of us do customer support. You're always talking to okay. the developer. And uh, we obviously, as developers, we don't really want to be doing customer support on a regular basis. We want to be right. like writing code, right? Uh, so we take a lot of time to try and document all the things. If we get questions about, you know, whatever, I need to do X, where you try to document that so that we never have that question again, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so that's, that's helped uh, quite a bit. So the automation, documenting all the things. And then I think, you know, using a framework like Rails helps, right? Because mm-hmm. there's so much done for you, right? right. Uh, that you don't have to have, like, I, so David was talking about the one person framework, right? At, right. at, at the conference. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we're not one person. Which I'm anymore. totally in love with. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Rails gives us that ability to, we can, if uh, if we have a new feature that we want to deploy, like we don't have to have the mobile team coordinating with the front-end team, coordinating with the back-end team, right? right? We've got one person who can do that, all that thing for that feature, right? Yeah. So that's allowed us, yeah, to have a lot of a lot of runway on, on people versus, you know, 
hiring out for all kinds of things. So do you have a mobile component to Honey Badger? We do. Yeah, we actually have two mobile apps. We have one for iOS and one for Android. Uh, done done by a contractor. <laughs> okay. And uh, he's worked sense. with us for, wow, uh, several, several years now. So if you need anything changed on there, you just hire hire it out. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um. So so as Rails has changed, because Rails has changed a little bit since 2011. That's a little bit. Um, <laughs> what? How, how has that affected things? You just roll with it, or yeah. Well, you know, you roll with it. You know, for on the on the the ecosystem side for a while there we were getting a little nervous right when when node right. came out and people were just like oh rails is dead just like ruby's dead you know uh, oh we yeah like, well i still uh, hear that from people <laughs> right then i went to rails world and i'm like this is pretty vibrant yeah this is not dead place yeah. it's not dead right <laughs> so for a few years there we were like wow do we need to just like switch our whole product to just focus on javascript you know it's like no we're going to stay the course we love rails and we love we love rails developers uh, so, you know, recently, I think uh, there has been a feeling of an upsurge, uh, re- reinvigorating, I think, of the Rails community and the Ruby community. Uh, so that's been nice to see on our end. And, you know, we feel like, hey, we're vindicated that we we stayed the yeah. course and like we're, we're focused on web developers and specifically, you know, people who are doing the full stack kind of thing with both mm-hmm. Rails and probably JavaScript on the front end. Um, and on on the back end side, like, uh the 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 continual march of progress of rails has been nice like it's it's fun whenever there's a new rails release we go in and we see what we need to update right and we're like oh we can get rid of that gym and we can get rid of that that patch and that monkey patch can go away now you know uh so it's been nice uh staying on staying on that and seeing that that consistent drumbeat you know especially because we use uh postgres and very heavily Uh right so things like windowing functions and the stuff that's been added over the years to Rails. And so you can take away those hacks and, and those patches have yep. been super nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I've been upgrading uh, top-end devs. Um, used to be devchat.tv for the people who've been listening for a minute. Um, but yeah, we. so I built it on Rails 6.1 and then I just kind of left it there. And so I've been upgrading it. And yeah, it's like, I'm pulling that out and that out and that out and that yeah. out. I think I cried tears of joy when Webpacker went away. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, but, but yeah, it's, it's just been this amazing march forward. And yeah, I was concerned that it's like, all right, am I going to have to go and pick up, I don't know, Phoenix or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Express or, you know, I, uh, the guys that built Remix are friends of mine. And so it's like, am I going to be a JavaScript, you know? Nope, nope. I'm pretty happy where I am. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, there have been uh, places where we, we we started with Rails, but then we decided that nah, it's just not performant enough. Uh, like, yeah. uh, like our API endpoints, right? That thing that you talk to when you first submit an error. Uh, so that's been, it's just a rack app, right? So, you know, we started with Rails. Oh, yeah. And then we extract that stuff out. And I think David has a blog post from several years ago where he talks about, you know, you, you might have some hot spots where you take out and replace with something. Uh, so we've done that and that's worked out super well. Uh, I've been very happy yep. with that. These days we've been dabbling a little more in Go uh, mm-hmm. as we've been, you know, replacing little bits of our pipeline that could use a little bit more efficiency because I mean, to be honest, like Ruby is relatively slow compared to Go, <laughs> but, right. uh, but still like our, our customer facing app is hundred percent rails and like wouldn't give up that, you know, that uh, productivity for, for anything. Right. So I have to ask, why did you name it Honey Badger? <laughs> uh, so back in the that time period when uh, we were thinking about this product, uh, at, uh, we had the Honey Badger. The Honey Badger video on YouTube was popular at the time. So the Honey Badger meme, uh-huh. where it's, it's Randall and he's narrating the right. Yeah, the Honey Badger don't care. Yeah, that's that's why it's named Honey Badger. <laughs> <laughs> it's it started out just as that was our code name for the project, and uh-huh. uh, and but then eventually we we. It was time to launch, and we couldn't think of a better name. So Honey Badger just stuck. And so, as a result, like all, all of our code names are memes. And uh, so we have a uh, we built a gem called Incoming, and it was based on the Incoming meme. And uh, Heya was another one. Uh, you know, so it's like uh, it's it's right. kind of fun. Like we're we're carrying that tradition forward. And uh, we have it's it's hilarious. I have two two kids who are um, my college age, and. Uh-huh. Uh, they just moan and groan every time I, you know, throw out a meme from you know ten years ago or eight years ago. Right? Like, oh, that's that's so dead. You need to quit that, you know. But it's yeah, it's, it's fun making them making them re, you know. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. My oldest 
two or 17 and 16. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I routinely embarrass them. I, yeah. I embarrass them when it's just us. Right. right? Of course. Yeah. That's yeah. one of the privileges of dadhood is that you get to yeah. make them cringe. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny though. Cause they're almost looking around like, did anyone hear that? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's just us. Right. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, well, let's talk about Haya for a minute and, yeah. uh, yeah. Do you want to kind of explain what that is and where that came from? Yeah. Yeah. So one of, you know, we love, we love open source at Honey Badger, obviously we, we use rails and, and everything we do is, is open source, Linux, Nginx, you name it, Postgres, we got it. Um, and, and we've, one of our goals has been like, as we have time to contribute back to the community, uh, because I mean, that's why I started Faker. It's like, I've been, I've been, I was so enriched by open source. Uh, I was a right. Perl and PHP guy back in the day that I want to, I want to give back and I want to contribute. And uh, unfortunately, we haven't had as much time as we'd like because we're a small company and we're busy. Uh, but hey, it's one of the things that's come out of, of the work that we do. So it's a gem that you can, you can use that helps you with doing email campaigns. So if you think about a SaaS, uh, you have a user sign up and uh, you, there's, there's some probably a trial period, right, where you want them to try out the different features or you know if they haven't done x you want to push them to that so they can be more engaged and it's a it's a common marketing uh, tactic to you know give them a sequence of emails as they're having their trial so here's your welcome email and here's your you know get your team on boarded email and you know etc right and uh when we when we built Taya, one of our frustrations uh was that there were there were tools that did this for you but they were all like UI, like, you know, drag and drop or clicky wizards or whatever. Right. And you could, you could define. Oh what, yeah. 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 Like, okay. I've used you, drip and I've used right? convert kit and yep. active campaign. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, just to reiterate some of this pain. Yeah. Some of it's the uh, drag and drop, click, add a tag, whatever. Mm-hmm. And some of it's just that, um, I, I can't even explain it. It's it's okay. Well, I'm going to go do all this WYSIWYG work, right? And it still doesn't quite, it feels like somebody cobbled it together yeah. because I'm just, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then uh, the other thing is, is that uh, it's like, okay, well, I, I want this to go to everybody and I want these to go to people under these circumstances. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so then I'm zappiering the thing together, right? right. It's like, okay, yeah. Stripe, send a webhook to me and a webhook to Zapier and a webhook to this other thing. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the other issue is, uh, you know, you, you may not care depending on, on your business, but, and we, we cared about sending customer data out to these third parties, right? We, we didn't want to, Oh yeah. You know, mm-hmm. this, the syncing, like we used to use intercom as our, as our customer support and our onsite chat. And like you, you send your, your customer data out there. And if you want to filter on a particular thing, you got to make sure you send that, you know, you got to tag the user that way. And it, that's brittle, right? Things can break. And we just got right. kind of frustrated with the idea of, well, we got to manage some customer data here and some customer data there. And yep. And so, 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 Hey, it was like, all right, look, if we could just define our email campaigns in code in the application We've got our database right there, so we don't have to send the customer data anywhere. And then we can we can right. redefine whatever. Like we we want to send this email if they haven't logged in in three days or whatever. Like that kind of logic is really simple if it's in code and it's in your app, right? So that's the that was the genesis for Heya. Huh. And so that's nice. that's yeah that's what we use to send out our our drip emails to our customers mm-hmm. when they sign up. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty it's pretty neat having that right there in code. Yeah. We like that. So one other thing that I'm I'm just kind of curious on, right? Because I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting back into the marketing game and I'm not going to go through all the stuff that happened in between. But one thing that I'm curious about is that um, we've, we've started doing some of this outreach, right? And we have an email list right now. It's in Zoho campaigns, I think mm-hmm. is what we're using. And I'd like to start doing more newsletter stuff. Is, is that something that I would run through Heya or do I want to use a tool like that? You, you could use you could use Haya for that. It's not really designed for that, and we don't okay. we don't use it for that. Uh, we use uh, we use ConvertKit. I think we use ConvertKit. ConvertKit. We've we've yeah. gotten through. You know, I think we used Drip at one time, and I think it's ConvertKit today. So, like newsletter campaigns, still I think work better in those tools that are specifically built for that. Right. Um, whereas Hey is more about you know you got your customers, and and that's another part. I guess there's are the people who are part of your marketing uh, universe that aren't necessarily customers, right? Those would be better right. handled by Drip or, 
or whatever okay. tool uh, versus your actual customers that you want to send, you know, particular uh, emails to. And then, right. you know, the other thing is like, if you, we, we use Postmark for our email provider, for our delivery uh, uh-huh. provider, and they have pretty strict rules about, you know, what kinds of emails you can send. You can send transactional emails and you can send, you know, to, to people who have a relationship with you, but they do not want marketing emails on their platform, right? So, right. So we can't using the same mechanism, you know, for our in-app emails than as we mm-hmm. do for marketing to the whole, our whole marketing list, right? So, right, yeah, I think it's good to have that separate. Although, at one time we 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 did want to build the tool that would you know kind of partner with Heya basically and do that marketing sign. Mm-hmm. We just have never gotten around to it. Right. No, that makes sense. I mean, I use Spark Post, I think, mm-hmm. right now for my uh, email stuff, and yeah, they. So what they do is they're mostly concerned with reputation. So if they start getting a whole bunch of spam hits, yes. right, then they'll come back to you and say, hey, we're going to turn you off. Um, one thing that's interesting, though, is that I've used at least two CRM systems, which are specifically for marketing, mm-hmm. that um, now, granted, they're, they are customer relations. So you, should be, you shouldn't be sending cold emails out through them generally, right? You should be sending targeted emails out of your inbox and then, Right. So, so yeah, a lot marketing caveats, right, you know, right. up and down the board, but um, yeah. Uh, one of the CRMs I used, they wanted you to set up and, and use a, a sending system like that. And if you wanted to use Mailgun, then they would help you set it up. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I had my CRM emails shut off because you know, yeah. enough people mark stuff as spam and, you know, yep. it's like, okay, well, you need to go clean up your list and jump through all these hoops. Yeah, But yeah, if you're doing that through like active campaign or one of these others, right. Unless you're just really abusing it. I have a really old email list. And so I've, I've gotten a few, I've had Zoho come back to me and tell me, Hey, look, your campaigns are triggering enough of these, right. You need to mm-hmm. clean it up. But most of those emails are emails that people legitimately gave to me. It's just been a while since I emailed them. And yep. so I'm running into that. So anyway, it is it is interesting to kind of see the dichotomy there and go, okay, we're going to do the marketing here and we're going to do the other here. Yeah, I, I, I would say even if even if your email provider is not particularly strict about that, I think it's still a good idea to keep yeah. all that marketing stuff separate from your app stuff. Because yeah. in our case, like if our app emails got shut down, those, those yeah. are the emails that we're sending to our customers when they have a, an error, right? It's right. Like, that has to work. <laughs> yeah, the deliverability has to be good. And so exactly. the, yeah. the email server um, reputation is going to matter. Yep, exactly. So you're sending the stuff that you know they're going to open. Right. Yeah, that makes and surprise, surprisingly enough, I mean, surprise me anyway. We do have people mark our, our emails as spam sometimes, which is just the weirdest thing. It's like uh, you're an active user of Honey Badger. You, you, you actively opted right. into this thing. <laughs> it's like oh, okay, yeah. it doesn't happen very often, but it's just, it's just weird. <laughs> yeah. So what what exactly does Heya give you? Because I mean, does I'm assuming it gives you some UI to manage these uh, <laughs> campaigns? Uh, no, no, there's no UI at all. It's all code. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's so basically it just gives you an easy way to manage, um, you know, for example, like we have a, a freemium, like I have just so you can have a free pl- plan forever, right? But we also have paid trials right? and and the the onboarding experience that you have is slightly different between those two. You know, we're not going right. to send certain messages to those free users that we're going to send to the people who are in a trial that might be expiring mm-hmm. soon, right? So, so in Heya, we can make those kind of logic branches very easy. Uh, and say, okay, this email sequence goes to these customers and these other customers get this other one, right? So okay. that's really what it's about is that maximum flexibility. Uh, but yeah, it's all, it's all defined. It's in your models. Um, okay. It's right there in your Ruby code. So I'm just trying to imagine what this looks like. And I'm kind of thinking of something that's like a set of jobs and a mailer or something. Yep. Or? Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, it uses the same, you know, action mailer. It uses whatever delivery you're using for your job. app emails. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and basically the idea, there, there's no UI uh, because it's not a marketing thing. We're, we're not, uh, and right. well, it's also kind of just our opinions about things. The Honey Badger's opinions is like, we don't care to track clicks of emails. Uh, we don't right. care okay. to track open rates. Like the, those things we don't, we don't pay attention right. to. Um, so we're not, because we're not marketers. <laughs> uh, but also we feel like, hey, this, if uh, we're only going to, 
we're, we're actually pretty bad about sending emails. We don't send enough, you know, compared to a lot mm-hmm. of other services out there because we feel like developers don't want to have their time wasted, right? And so we're right. only going to send emails that we think are useful. Uh, and and if, and if and we don't want to do tracking. Like we don't want pixels right. in our emails and things like that. So so that's just kind of our like philosophy coming through in the in the gym is like, yeah, we're not, we're not going to provide that because we don't we don't believe in that. Well, and not having the pixels and not having the tracking in your email that helps deliverability too. Yeah, and so yeah, it's uh, I can kind of see my way to that. Sometimes <laughs> it is nice to get those numbers, but true if, you, if you're not yeah. worried about them, yeah, I mean yeah, if, we if miss it. Not actionable for you. We miss it sometimes, and especially our marketing person. You know, he would he would love to have those numbers, but uh, you know, it's just it's a, it's always a trade off, right? What are you getting, and what are you giving yeah. up? And in this case, it just felt like it wasn't worth it for us. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So, is it a Rails engine then that you just install, or? Yeah, yeah, you just uh, you know add it as as a gem, and you um, there's a there's a generator that you can use mm-hmm. to get your first campaign started and just walks you through like it shows you the the kind of config but it's basically just um each campaign class has like what what are the uh, it's a it's a block what are the rules like and it passes in the here's the user and then so you can hit whatever method you want on that user to see do, does this user qualify for this campaign or not right interesting yeah that sounds really handy I might be using that next week after I finish the overhaul on top end devs. That sounds good. Well, yeah, it, it does make a lot of sense in the sense of, hey, you just signed up. Here's, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 fun to be able to, uh, what's that? They sell your sawdust kind of thing, I think is the mm-hmm. phrase where, you know, the, the byproducts of the work that you do. Like, obviously, this is not a money maker for us. Although... When we initially thought about releasing it, we thought, oh, you know, we could sell licenses to this. People would buy it. And then after a while, it's like, nah, that's too too much of a distraction. Uh, there's not enough yeah. interest. This is not going to set the world on fire. Let's just, you know, put it out there. Uh, and uh, so I think that was that was the right call. It's nice to be able to just, yeah. and it's not like uh, we have to make money on it. Like we're making money on our, on our business, right? And so this is just one of those, those sawdust things. It's like, oh, this is a cool thing we built for ourselves. And I think the world would like it too. Yeah, well, and you said that it was a distraction. And I think it's interesting, you know, as I've kind of gone through my business journey. Yeah, a lot of times it's not that it wouldn't make money or that it wouldn't make enough money. It's that it pulls that attention off of the things that are going to move the needle in more important ways in in the rest of the business. Yeah. And yeah, and and yeah, I'm a big fan of the open source thing anyway. And so, yeah, unless yeah. it's my main thing, right? You're not going to open source Honey Badger, but yeah. You know, this side stuff. Yeah, it makes total sense. Right. So cool. Uh, Well, is there anything else new going on in your life or anything else that you want to bring up and let people know about? No, I think that's it. Like we've been we've been heads down on this on this insights product for several months. We've got we've got some other other obviously got a continual role on features. Honey Badger. We we always like to. Uh, build things then and just get them out there like we had this recent uh we have a set of features coming out soon for our status pages option uh which basically if you've used you know atlassian status page or or one of the other providers it's it's pretty much that right we show you the status of your uptime checks and uh your that's what's going on there uh and so we've been adding little features here and there about you know bringing it up to parity with some of our competitors and we had this idea we're like, oh, let's make this, make, make this big release where we'll have all these features and we'll just do this marketing push. And then the other day, I'm like, you know what? Uh, scratch that. Let's just push them out there because it's nice to ship, right? And that's just what we love. We love to do. I imagine just ship new stuff. Oh, yeah. I think that just brings a lot of energy, you know, to the developer, to the customers. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So there'll be a continual role, but we're pretty excited about getting this, getting this new big chunk of work out there that we've been spending a lot of time on. Awesome. All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and roll into picks. I guess before we do picks, um, what uh, what's your Twitter and GitHub and other places where people can find you? Sure, sure. Uh, let's see, I'm Stimpy on GitHub and Twitter. Uh, S T Y M P Y. Uh, don't do a whole lot of twittering these days. I've mostly moved over to Mastodon, so I'm okay. uh, Ben Curtis at Hackyderm over there. Uh, but uh, 
you can find me find me on Twitter. And, uh, I think you can follow me over to from to Mastodon over there. But uh, I, resp- I respond everywhere. Awesome. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into picks here real quick. Um, right. I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, since you haven't been on for a while, maybe you're out of practice. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've got a couple of picks. So the first pick I have, I always do a board game pick. And mm. uh, lately, yeah, it, it kind of came out of Avdi doing his beer picks way back in the day. And uh, yeah, I just, I've really gotten into board games lately. Um, actually very tempted to do a board game podcast and just talk about what board games I'm yeah, playing what totally. I like and, you know, bring some of my friends on or see if I can get some of the game designers on or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so, uh, my friend owns, or he's part owner in a game store, a board game store, and they have two locations. They have one out in Eagle Mountain, Utah, and one in American Fork, Utah. Um, and I live right in the middle of them and he lives around the corner from me. So anyway, uh, so there's a game conference next weekend in Provo and, uh, so he's uh, recruited me and my wife the last few years. Uh, not this year because my daughter's having her tonsils out on oh. Friday. But um, so, you know, we're going to baby the baby kind of thing. Right. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so I'm going. And so I've been learning the games that we're demoing because the game store does a corner where they, you know, show people how to play usually six games. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so the game that I've been picking uh, on the shows lately is Acropolis. It's A-K-R-O-P-O-L-I-S. It's a relatively new game, and it's it's really, really simple game. Board Game Geek has it rated at 1.79 weight. Uh, 2.0 weight is kind of a casual gamer, right? It's, it's just hard enough to be interesting, but not so complicated that you have to play it three or four times to be able to figure it out. Um, and what you do is you start with just one tile, and the tile has three hex... Um, spaces on it Uh, and all the tiles are that size and so then what you do is uh, you build your city by placing more tiles connected to the tile that you have and you can place them next to a tile or you can place them on top of tiles if you can place it completely on top of three other hex spaces but it has to bridge between two tiles right so you can't put it directly over another tile Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are different colors and the colors all score differently. And so like the red ones had to be on the edge. The yellow ones had to be not touching other yellows. The blue ones, you got a point for every one of them in the largest cluster of blues you had. Right. And there are green ones, purple ones. Uh, the green ones all just counted for every one you had. Purple ones were if you completely surrounded it, right? So if it wasn't on an edge, then you could count it. And then if you pr- place it on top, it counts for two or three or four, however many uh, levels up you get, right? And then you get, um, so when you pick your tile, if you don't want to pick the first one, then you give up a token to get the second one or two tokens to get the third one. And uh, yeah, anyway, so you just take turns pulling tiles and put them into your city. Um, And then whatever your score is in that color times the number of stars in that color, that's your score. And you just add it up, right? So it's relatively simple. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's really fun because every time you play, since you're drafting different tiles and you're taking different approaches, maybe you don't want to compete with the other guy who's got six red tile or six mm-hmm. red stars. Cause he's going to grab every red one he can get, and put it on the edge. Right. So maybe you go for yellows or maybe you go for a mix. Um, but it, it's really, really fun. And so I've really enjoyed it. This is probably, um, so, so three of the games, like, I enjoyed them, but I wouldn't go buy them, right? Um, So, but this one's probably my second favorite out of the six. I I really, really enjoyed playing it. So um, I'm going to pick Acropolis. I think my friend, my other friend, um, so I have have three or four friends that we get together every week and play board games. I think he said that it's actually on Board Game Arena as well. Um, Don't quote me on that. I'd have to go look. But uh, Board Game Arena is a place where you can go play some of these games online. And uh, yeah, it was fun. So uh, I'm going to pick Acropolis and I should probably put right. a link in the comments. And then um, for my other picks, um, 
let me just grab that link real quick for board game geek and then i'll grab a link for amazon uh the amazon link's going to be an affiliate link so i probably need to disclose that so that um people know that i get a kickback for telling you to go buy it but seriously it's a fun game so i don't it doesn't cost you any more. Anyway, um, so the other thing that I've been doing lately is um, I've been doing, there's a, um, a mental toughness challenge called 75 Hard. Hmm. And there's a program that comes after you can do phase one and then phase two and then phase three. And uh, I just finished phase one. Um, so 75 Hard, you do two workouts a day, you read 10 pages out of a nonfiction book, you um, you have to take a picture of yourself. You have to drink a gallon of water. I feel like I'm forgetting something. But phase one adds a five-minute cold shower and 10 minutes of visualization um, to, to the mix, right? So you start, you visualize the, you know, what you want, where you're headed, all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, it's been awesome. So... <laughs> Um, anyway, I just finished phase one. I'm going to start phase two pretty much the day after Thanksgiving. Um, and then phase three, you do the last 30 days leading into the day you started 75 hard and 75 hard. So phase one, two, and three are all 30 days. 75 hard is 75 days. Mm, Um, and if you miss, you have to start over. So (laughs) anyway, um, but yeah, I, I, I do so much better. Oh, you have to stick to a diet. That was the thing I forgot. So. Anyway, I'm going to pick that. Um, it, if you want to learn more, um, the guy that did it, he had a show called uh, MFCEO Project. Now it's Real Real AF, but it's in the archives. And I'll, I'll put a link in so you can uh, get information on that. And then um, finally, my last pick is going to be Tailwind and Tailwind UI. Um, so I've been kind of doing this overhaul on top end devs. And I had... I had this habit of buying uh, layouts on um, theme forest and mm-hmm. then applying them to my website. Right. Cause I, my design skills are not, not awesome. Right. It's like pick, yeah. pick colors that go together. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, um, right. So anyway, um, I've been using tailwind lately and I paid for tailwind UI and I've been using it in some of my projects and it's, it's not as complete as I want Tailwind UI, but there's enough there for me to figure out how to piece together what I want if they don't have something that is what I want. And so um, anyway, I've been really, really happy with that. And it's kind of all come back to the one-person framework we talked about before where I don't have to go. I, I may go grab a designer at some point and say, hey, look, it all looks pretty white, <laughs> right? <laughs> what, what, what can I do to add some variety to this, right? So that it, it looks nicer. Yeah. But um it it looks fine, right? The the way that it's going together. I've been pretty happy with it. And um since I upgraded to Rail 7, yeah, I was able to get rid of Webpacker, I was able to get rid of a whole bunch of stuff that just complicated my life and mm-hmm. I can just pull in this other stuff that I need. And so I've I've been really 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 happy with it. So I'm going to pick those. I'm a little late to the game on Tailwind. Um, I tend to hear these things, hear a bunch of hype about stuff, and I'm like, okay, is it a fad or is it going to stay, right? Um, and in this case, it stayed. I actually talked to Adam, um, Wathen, Adam Wathen. at mm-hmm. yeah at at Rails World. He was one of the speakers, and we, we had us a good chat. So I'm trying to get him to come on the show. But anyway, um, great stuff. So uh, yeah. Tailwind UI for sure. Agreed. Uh, how about you, Ben? What are your picks? Three picks, huh? All right. Uh, so I'm going to go with the board game as well from our number one. And then I will go with uh, Suro, T-S-U-R-O. Uh, it's oh, fun oldie. one. Yeah, that's yeah, a it's one. an oldie but a goodie. Um, this yeah. is our, this is my family's go-to game whenever we're like, ah, oh, what, what do we want to do? Let's, we don't have anything planned. Well, let's play some Turo. Um, yeah, ships. Yeah, it's... Uh, that's the one, right? With the ships and the lanes. Uh, this the one there. I think there are multiple versions. Uh, we play the original version, which is it's just paths. Uh, you lay oh, down okay. the tiles, so there are square tiles, and uh, you lay down. Each tile has a different configuration of paths, mm-hmm. and uh, you move your little you 
start from the edge of the board. And the goal is to avoid being sent to the edge, another edge right. of the board. Yeah. Right? And so you lay down your path tile and you follow the path. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and you can, it's a fun one. You can be cooperative or competitive as you, as you like, you know, uh, you can try to avoid others or try to collide with them. It's, it's, it's great. It's a quick game and, you know, it can be as little as two players. So we love that. And, yeah. uh, you know, zero is-, is on board game geek. It is weighted at 1.22. So it's a very easy game. Yeah. Yeah. Fun, fun for the kiddos for sure. Yeah. Uh, pick number two. Well, uh, I've been really into one of my hobbies is electric vehicles and uh of all of all shapes and sizes and my pick is a recently released uh electric motorcycle <laughs> the live wired oh, del mar <laughs> it's uh it's ridiculously high torque and uh super fast uh, it's about sixteen thousand dollars i think so it's not cheap as far as motorcycles go but being electric it's got instant torque and super high performance and I just, I love, I love uh, the whole performance thing. So I'm not a crazy racer by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, I love twisting the throttle and having things go. So got to, got to pick that for a fun pick. Uh, nice. And uh, I think, I'll, I think I'll go with you on number three, the tailwind. Uh, that has been a pretty awesome thing. So we bought uh, the tailwind. I'll just, I'll just add on to your pick. So not just Tailwind, but also Tailwind UI. So if you buy into that set of stuff, uh, which I can't remember how much it is, but uh, I think there's still a lifetime license. I think it was license. 300 bucks for me. And for, uh, for it's a great. person license. Yeah. Yeah. If you have these ready-made components, and I, I did the same thing you did for, for years. Go to Three and Forest, grab a, grab a theme, and, and then customize yeah. it. And then get frustrated because, you know, it's, you're deep in the weeds yeah. among CSS and all this kind of right. stuff. Right. And the, the JavaScript libraries right. are... Yeah, completely up to date. Exactly, and then you're frozen in time. Like you can't ever upgrade that thing, right? Uh, Well, you can, but you've got to figure out all of the dependencies. (laughs) Exactly. It's just yeah. yeah. I I dealt with all that gross. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I will echo your pick for Tailwind and and Tailwind uh, components. Uh, It's it's uh, Tailwind UI. It's great. Like uh, you can you can mix and match. You can pull down these things. You can. It's easy to tweak because of the declarations that are in the HTML. It's like, oh, yeah. I see where that padding's coming from, or that shadow, and mm-hmm. etc. So, yeah, I'll echo yours and go with Tailwind. Yep. Yeah, there were a couple of things where, like, that it had had like a a margin class or something that you know it it goes like every second or every fourth one or something. So occasionally, I actually have to get in and say, okay, I'm going to define the margin three or whatever but uh-huh. i mean for the most part it's it's been terrific and the <laughs> tooling on it is awesome that's the one thing that i like yeah. about it too is that it effectively looks at my rails app and says you're using these classes and it just drops all the rest of that stuff. yeah 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 when you're using it with es build it is so nice yeah, yeah. well i'm just using it with prop chef now Okay, that's cool. And so, um, like, it's not running it through ES Build or Webpack or anything. Nice. It's just better. It just builds it when I'm running it on the, um, when I run the slash dev slash or bin dev, mm-hmm. and it just stands it up. And so it it updates it as I go. And then when I deploy it, it just does the um, it calls the Tailwind executable and it just builds Tailwind for my app. And nice. so. I don't, I don't have to do anything else. It's it's really slick. Oh, I got I got to do a bonus a bonus pick here. Yeah, uh, Caddy, the web server. So uh, if you're not familiar, it is a web server along the kin of uh, Nginx or you know Apache even, um, but it's a more modern uh, implementation, and it has a. Uh, I know that. I know that David and crew went with uh, traffic for their for their web server. I and you know yes. No, 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 nothing against uh, traffic, but I love Caddy. Uh, it is a great yeah. little web server, especially if you want to do dynamic certificates. It's just drop dead simple to proxy to a Rails app and have some SSL mm-hmm. certificates automatically generated for you. So if you haven't checked out Caddy, definitely do check it out. It's pretty sweet. Nice. Yeah. Um, the way that Kamal is set up, I don't see any reason why you couldn't just add Caddy as an accessory and just run it. Because that's effectively what you wind up doing with your databases redis and postgres is is kind of that's one thing i've been figuring out uh the documentation i have to admit on uh kamal is kind of slim Mm -hmm. like if if you want to do the happy path um 
it's still kind of slim. Like there have been a few things that I was like, I thought this was just part of the happy path. And it's like, okay, I got to tweak stuff yeah, to make yeah. it run. But, but <laughs> yeah, I don't see any reason why you couldn't, if there's a Docker image up, that'll set it up for you and run. Yeah. Cause that's how they're doing traffic anyway. Mm-hmm. Is this just another container on your web server? Right. So. Right. Yeah. It's good stuff. We love it. Yeah. Good deal. All right. Well, it was great to catch up, Ben. Yeah. Same. Um, I'll encourage people to go check out uh, Honey Badger. Right on. Until next time, folks, Max out. <laughs>